Hello and welcome to FuturePod. I'm Peter Hayward. FuturePod gathers voices from the international field of futures and foresight. Through a series of interviews, the founders of the field and the emerging leaders share their stories, tools and experiences. Please visit futurepod.org for further information about this podcast series. Today, our guest is Victor Motti. Victor is the current director of the World Futures Study Federation, which is our foremost independent body for future studies scholarship. Victor is also an international writer, speaker, and foresight consultant. His extensive writing includes the book, A Transformation Journey to Creative and Alternative Planetary Futures, and he also co-authored The Future of Business, Critical Insights into a Rapidly Changing World. Victor is based in Turkey, and he reads English, Arabic, Persian, and Italian. Welcome to FuturePod, Victor. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. I'm very much honored to join this podcast series initiated by you, and I have been following many of your podcasts already. And uh, I also recommend our members in the Federation, I mean, World Futures Studies Federation and other kinds of associations who are concerned about futures studies to uh, enjoy the collection of podcasts you have already prepared. Thanks very much, Victor. That's very kind. So, Victor, question one is the question where the guest tells their story of how they became a member of the Futures and Foresight community. So what's the Victor Motti story? Well, it's a rather strange story because uh, it goes back to almost 20 years ago. I know almost 40 years, and it was when I was an undergraduate student studying uh, for a degree in engineering. Before uh, accepting, becoming accepted to the university, I was in high school, interested in uh, the subject of the future, particularly after reading uh, the book by Alvin Toffler, Future Shock. When I was admitted to the university to study engineering, I was much more interested in uh, science, technology, uh, mathematics, physics, and uh, disciplines like that. But uh, very soon I was drifted into an uh, interdisciplinary field. I mean, when I found book written or edited by Professor Richard Slaughter, a very well-known Australian futurist. And the title of that book was very much fascinating for me because it was about new thinking for the new millennium. And after reading that book, I found that in addition to a very limited focus on science, technology, or engineering, or physics, or mathematics, I can also enjoy big picture thinking in terms of absorbing ideas put forward by people like Richard Slaughter and his colleagues who have had written that book together. Very soon, I decided to contact uh, Richard himself because, you know, it was the beginnings of the internet age and our tools was much uh, less developed uh, compared to to today. But back then, I was able to find his email address and contacted him. 
and ask him for any kind of guidance or recommendation he might have for me. Richard Slaughter was a former president of the World Futures Studies Federation. He was. And yeah, he was a very well-known futurist uh, throughout the world. And he quickly uh, encouraged me to apply to become a member of the Federation. Yeah. And, he, and he added that you simply don't need anything but just uh, joining this community of professional futurists and uh, look uh, in the internet whatever you would like to follow up in your studies. Fortunately, I also had the support of uh, Dr. Wendell Bell in the United States, wow. who, who's, who is also a who is also a very well known was a very well known futurist. The late Wendell Bell, he passed away a few months ago, unfortunately. He was also very supportive. With the support of these two giants of the field, I was introduced to the Federation. In, it was in 2007. Uh, after a year, I was when I was exchanging many emails on the uh, WFSF uh, listserv, I noticed that there is going to be a conference, I mean a world conference of the Federation in Sweden in 2008. Well, uh, I was quite uh, uh, excited to participate in that conference and, uh, and made my plans uh, for attending that conference and eventually was able to get there despite the fact that uh, travel, I mean international travel was uh, a lot uh, difficult for me back then because of my uh, Iranian passport and, uh, uh, and nationality which was a great barrier for easy travel to the Europe and Eventually, with the support of the, the president of the Federation, uh, Fabian Goudemont, and uh, Natalie Dion, who was a member of the board back then, and Fabian was the president in that period, I was able to participate in that uh, interesting conference. And it was my first face-to-face or flush and <laughs> or flesh and blood uh, experience of uh, dealing with uh, people or, uh, who were my uh, who were my conversation partners only through the digital platform i mean the exchange of emails and, uh, it was a quite um, wonderful and fascinating experience for me i continued to be active on the listserv and on other uh, occasions and uh, uh, I, I was invited to several conferences in asia in africa in europe in 2012 I was appointed by uh, another leading uh, Australian futurist, Dr. Jennifer Gitti, who was the president of the Federation, to become a member of the board. And in 2013, I was elected to become a member of the board for a four-year term. And in 2017, I was appointed to become a director of the Federation. And it was It was quite a very fast and uh, rapid uh, movement in the Federation for me because I was not expecting to become so much involved in the futures studies community. And well, practically, I had hardly done any much uh, projects inside my own training discipline, which is engineering. But uh, I had been drifted into writing books and giving talks and opening a website, Alternative Planet Futures. And I have been quite involved in futures studies to the extent that today 
I am doing uh, futures studies almost full time, and <laughs> I cannot imagine uh, doing anything else. Thanks, Victor. Question two, Victor, one where I encourage the guests to take a favoured method or tool or framework that is central to their practice and explain the use of it to the listeners. So what do you want to talk about? Well, you know, going back to uh, Richard Starter, and he is well known for, for promoting this uh, integral futures studies frameworks. And by that integral, he often means uh, the Ken Wilber approach. I have been, uh, since the beginning, very much interested to do integral futures studies. And uh, in my professional advising, of course, I often use uh, system thinking by application of, for example, system dynamics, uh, feedback or causal loops. uh, I, of course, use very widely uh, scenario planning, uh, different methods to do scenario planning, uh, use of different uh, tools like future wheel, everything that is available to give us a systemic understanding of what are the key factors that are going to shape uh, the futures of a particular issue. But in the long term, I would like to uh, spend my lo- uh, my time on integral futures studies. And if you are uh, aware already aware about the uh, the, de- the debate between uh, uh, Richard Slaughter and Soil and Ayatollah. Both of them are prescribing uh, integral or integrated future thinking. For Richard Slaughter, it's mostly about uh, Ken Wilber approach, and for uh, Sohel and Ayatollah, it's about causal analysis. But very recently, I figured out that there are at least two other potentially useful integral frameworks. One of them is uh, science fiction, the expertise uh, field of another good friend of mine and very well-known futurist, Thomas Lombardo, based in Arizona, United States. And by by that, he believes that uh, science fiction is the evolutionary mythology of the future. And I believe that science fiction is also a good framework to help people integrate not only mm, the objective analysis of data, but also uh, the human feelings, human subjective understanding of what's happening. And all the dimensions of the life are to be incorporated into a good science fiction literature or novel. Not only, of course, uh, the science fiction movies, because most of them, unfortunately, are just about special (laughs) effects or uh, technological <laughs> technological advancements. But according to Tom, and I believe that he is correct, if you follow or read more you know, science fiction novels as opposed to science fiction mov- mm. movies, you'll note that uh, there are lots of rich uh, imagination in those uh, collection of works which help us uh, incorporate or integrate everything which is related to human experience and the world in which they live. And the other the other framework that I have also tried to apply it more often, and I'm right now working on that, and I've been uh, 
I have been introducing that framework in my book, which you kindly introduced it into the beginning of this podcast, Alternative Planetary Futures. That framework is called the Zorban uh, Integral Futures Studies Framework, and it is spelled like Z-U-R-V-A-N. Uh, that framework uh, is called after a Persian uh, mythology and theology framework. And uh, Zorban is, of course, the name of the ancient deity of the infinite time and infinite space. And in that framework, I am trying to develop further the process which can be, uh, which can be defined based on uh, first uh, finding or listing a set of apposite twins or binary apposites. For example, if you go back to the Zorban mythology, you see that the Zorban was the a neutral or transcendental deity which uh, created two opposite forces in, in the sense that one of them is called Ahura Mazda and another one is Ahriman or Angry Mind or sometimes we call it Lord of Wisdom versus uh, the Ignorant Mind. And when you find uh, these kind of binary opposites, you can be prepared, you can become prepared to uh, go deeper and deeper. For example, in a very recent, a very recent application of the Zorban framework, I was, uh, I was doing a content analysis of the King of Jordan recent opinion piece in the Washington Post, which is titled, uh, It's Time to Return to Globalization, But This Time Let's mm-hmm. Do It Right. And for example, in that uh, in that context, you can you can see or uh, list a uh, list of uh, binary or opposite twins like reglobalization versus deglobalization, or sharing information versus retaining retaining information, uh, order versus disorder, good governance versus bad governance, or uh, international cooperation or international focus versus national focus, and hope versus fear, or etc. This uh, is the first step in that Zorban framework, and the other steps are about uh, finding or naming heroes or uh, heroines and anti-heroes and anti-heroines by referring to the mythology in a a specific context or by referring to historical events in that specific uh, context. In the, uh, there, there are, of course, many different contexts you can uh, apply this framework. And you need to find who are the heroes or heroines in that uh, context that, in a, in a sense, uh, summarize or capture the dynamic, the tension between those opposite twins. And in the next step, you go to, to, the, to, go to the subsystems that are defined around the individual. And those subsystems are called uh, social. Uh, psychological, uh, biological, and cultural. Here we are focused on the individual individual agency or the individual level to find what are the key objectives for uh, such subsystem. For example, in the subsystem of the social uh, field, you need to maximize the power of institutions. Or the subsystem of psychology, Psychological, you need to maximize the pleasure for personality. And in the subsystem of the biological aspect, you need to maximize the survival of bodies. And finally, in the subsystem of cultural, you need to maximize the meaning or providing or creating new meanings for the distinctive ideas that are 
going to shape the behavior of the subsystem of the individual at the cultural level. There were other steps in that framework. For example, after finding the positive twins and after finding the heroes and anti-heroes, you go to subsystem and and after that you try to list the, or find or figure out what are the illusory beliefs. For example, in this recent example of King of Jordan's speech or opinion piece, you see that he is mentioning a list of illusory beliefs with respect to the current COVID-19 pandemic. One of them is that a good response is to plug holes, or we will simply rebuild after this pandemic, or threats will not be hitting us all and all at once, or a single country acting alone can succeed, or common concern necessarily translate into coordinate action. And when you find those list of illusory beliefs, you are finally prepared to provide or recommend a set of strategies or wise strategies. Because as I told you today, wisdom is the key ultimate goal of the doing futures studies. And also wisdom or the Lord of Wisdom is a central player in the Zorwan mythology and the Zorwan integral futures work. And by finding those wise strategies, we can, of course, uh, find possible way forward. For example, in the King of Jordan example, I found that he is talking about the wisest strategy, which could be uh, said like, tell the whole story about the global opportunity gap that has been in our focus after this uh, current pandemic. And we are sensing what could be the scales of such a global opportunity gap and inequalities and and access uh, to health cover, access to essential, and access to food and everything. And this part prepare us for finally arrive at the final step, which is called transformation narratives. And the transformation narratives is about to prepare a message for the audience or the people involved in the Zorwan uh, Integral Futures Framework to find what are those inspiring narratives or the elements that shape the narratives that will prepare us to go from the current uh, status of the system to an even more complex and a more uh, transformational step. And in the example of the King of Jordan, for example, I was able to find it come, uh, some sort of narratives. And one of them was that it says that let's come together and get to work which is the exact opposite of what the doctor are ordering us to do. I mean, by uh, staying at home or have social distancing. But staying at home and social distancing is about just preparing ourselves for not getting sick. But the, the narrative is not about the whole transformation, which is necessary after this pandemic. And that is exactly the opposite. I mean, coming together and get to work or... Uh, let's break down the barriers. If there are barriers and are in front of us and they are consolidating, we need to break down those barriers. There are, of course, uh, some similarities and some uh, differences between Zorwan uh, Integral Futures uh, Studies Framework and uh, the other very well-known frameworks like uh, Consolidate Analysis mm. or Ken Wilber or Richard Slaughter. Uh, 
favorite framework. For example, in a causal layer analysis, you also have the steps related to uh, related to uh, metaphors or related to myth and metaphor. And of course, in the Zorwan framework, you also have the step required to find heroes and anti-heroes by referring to the yep. mythology. Or you have systematic uh, insight about uh, both individual and the collective le levels. I mean, uh, the four quadrants in the Ken Wilber approach or integral theory, and of course, Richard Stotter. In the Zorwan framework, we also have uh, the step that, which is called the subsystems uh, in terms of uh, social, biological, psychological, and cultural by focusing on individuals and what could be uh, the objectives for individuals to achieve uh, to achieve a better uh, or much higher level of uh, in terms of uh, social for example power in terms of uh, personality pleasure and in terms of biology survival and in terms of uh, cultural more meaning for an individual there are other uh, sorts of similarities but unlike uh, causal layered analysis which gives you arbitrariness to pick a, a worldview in the Zorwan framework you have already used a worldview which is uh, go, which goes back to the related uh, wisdom school in the ancient Persia which is called Hasra wisdom H U S uh, R A W Hasra wisdom is an ancient school of wisdom in ancient Persia which uh, accepts a, a particular worldview, and that worldview is uh, providing the ontological base for the uh, epistemological approach of the Zorwan framework. And all of these help us to uh, obtain uh, not only systematic understanding of what is going to happen, but also the better approach to uh, individual holistic and individual holistic uh, understanding of what could be possible and what could be required to do a lot of radical change. And, and by the way, Zorwan uh, is itself a symbol, sign of holistic thinking, because as a deity in the ancient mythology, represent the, the whole, the, uh, the unique whole, which later differentiates into uh, opposite twins and everything else. And that gives us all the elements required for a good integral futures studies framework, I mean, wisdom, holistic thinking, systematic appreciation of the factors of change, and everything is included in such an approach. And I believe that the more we apply it, I mean, not only the Zorwan approach to futures studies, but also science fiction literature or causal aid analysis or Ken Wilber integral theory, all of these are essential for us to uh, do better and high-quality futures studies. And through that, we can, of course, find enough resonance with people who are either listening to us or are working with us towards making uh, better visions for the world. I mean, after all, we are looking for preferred future uh, that could be uh, shaped by us today or for our community, for our county, or even for the planet. Thanks, Victor. There'll be uh, on your page for listeners. There will be references to to some sites and and uh, sources that people can use to follow up on some of those things too. 
Oh, thank you. Question three, Victor. Uh, the one I encourage Victor to put down the expert perspective of futurist and talk about how he sees the emerging futures and how he makes sense of what's around him and what he believes is emerging. Well, the emerging uh, uh, the emerging future around myself is, uh, first of all, related to my feelings before anything else. You know, at the moment, uh, like many of you, we are experiencing a crisis. I mean, a huge crisis due to bad anticipation, to the bad governance we are suffering from in uh, every country on the planet. I mean, uh, you have been following the news and you have seen that uh, uh, despite the fact that uh, uh, many people have been uh, talking about uh, the, the beautiful age that will come after um, science and technology progress and many talks by people, for example, by Harari in his book, uh, Homo Deus, you, you have seen that uh, the human that were supposed to be the Deus or the God uh, are at the mercy of a tiny invisible virus. Yeah. And it's a quite humiliating experience for humanity after seeing that uh, humans not only are gods, but also escapes to just a tiny invisible and miniature virus. And this is a big wake-up call, I believe, for many of us, not only futurists, but the ordinary people who are considering what's going to happen next. And, and of course, you know, before the pandemic started, there was uh, some forces already at play in, in the system of the world. And if you have followed what uh, Jerome Glenn from Millennium Project have been doing for a couple of years by providing the list of key events at, at the end of each year, you will see that there is also a good uh, trend of many important events uh, throughout the world. And there are some uh, forces already at play in the world. And such a pandemic, such a crisis, we are going through it, intensifying in a sense or providing a, a catalyst for acceleration of those changes. And uh, among those uh, changes, I would say that uh, we have to be watchful about uh, converging technologies. I mean, uh, nano, bio, and information and brain research, explainable artificial intelligence and or AI regulation, and of course, quantum computing in the uh, in the technological uh, aspects of the change of the future. And in, in, in addition to that. Uh, we have issues like commercialization of space or use of highly controversial geoengineering measures to combat climate change. And uh, this is going to happen regardless of whether we approve it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and right now, uh, right now, you know, the, in addition to pandemic, we have been uh, facing another big challenge, and that is the pandemic. You know, panda is uh, referring to yes, China, yes. the rise of China. And the pandemic is also going to be a huge uh, factor that is going to shape uh, both our lives at the individual and the regional and planetary level. And today I saw that even China has started to uh, introduce a huge uh, 
state-sponsored digital currency to challenge the dominance of the U.S. dollar. You know, the, the tensions already in the system and the pandemic uh, is uh, just uh, triggering to uh, triggering a chain of reactions that uh, will, will bring to us uh, total uncertainty about what is going to happen next. And of course, there are some other driving forces like a, a scramble a 2.0 for Africa. I mean, the new colonization of Africa or a scramble 1.0 for North Pole. You, you know, after the climate change and global warming, there are going to be a huge competition between uh, neighboring countries in that region. I mean, Russia, United States and North European countries to just rush into that North Pole area. And uh, in Russia, I have I have seen that even there are uh, some uh, offers by the Russian governments for any, anybody who likes to settle in the now, now more habitable zones in uh, Siberian uh, region, which after this uh, climate change and global warming, you see that permafrost layers have been melted down and uh, Russian governments is offering people to just go and settle there. The new frontier, isn't it? Yeah, there are new frontiers. And in addition to all of this, it's uh, the very terrifying prospect of the rise of authoritarianism, either in a religious uh, way or in a secular way. The corona pandemic has uh, provided enough justification for more authoritarianism. And, you know, when we talk as a futurist to some people who would prefer to study the history, many of those historians are have already raised the alarms about the repeat of the early years of the 20th century. I mean, when the globalization was in retreat and there was a rise of nationalism, there was uh, economic uh, depression. And most of the historians are, well, of course, they study history to tell us that the history is going to repeat itself. Okay. But, <laughs> but, but you know, as, a, as futurists, we need to be cautious. We need to talk to people around us to convince them that uh, humanity is not destined to just repeat itself, to aimlessly repeat itself in very ridiculous cycles of aimless repetitions. And of course, cyclic uh, conception of time was challenged by the, by the ancient uh, Persian mythology theology. I mean, Zoroaster was the early philosopher who uh, told us that we need to stop thinking in terms of aimless cyclic uh, repetitions of uh, patterns of events and we need to have a progressive mindset about the continuous uh, upward trend in the uh, in our time on the planet and and that kind of worldview is also inside the house for wisdom and the zorban integral futures uh, framework and i and i believe that uh, that will give us much more responsibility much more much more uh, necessity to have more imagination about what is going to be an emergent world, not just to try to anchor our thoughts and feelings into the past and to the history and the two uh, cyclic and endless repetitions. Again, if I'm going back to a big narrative that could shape our uh, understanding about what is going to happen around us, I was, uh, I was applying this Zorban framework for the current situation and found that uh, a very well-known mythological figures from the 
ancient uh, Persian mythology is called Yima. Yima was a very well-known king, spelled Y-I-M-A, Yima. He was a, a very heroic figure, character in that he was able to build an underground network of supplies and uh, cities during the rule of the uh, demon, which is called uh, Malchus. Malchus was the uh, sort of demon which was about a, a little ice age or unusual winter over, all over the planet. And yep. in that framework, you see that uh, you have this uh, narrative of the trial by ordeal. Trial by ordeal is a very well-known uh, things in uh, Europe history, in ancient Europe history, and of course in Persian uh, mythology. It's about testing the people, I mean the innocent people, by the forces of nature. And the force of nature right now is this, is this virus. And this virus will decide who are the uh, innocent leaders who should be able to survive at this, after this uh, test or this trial and prepare us for a new war that is going to emerge after, after this uh, crisis is over. And this somehow summarizes my, uh, my feelings and my thinking about it. And of course, uh, we cannot resist uh, both the positive and the negative feelings. You know, uh, I am totally and absolutely enjoying the very quiet and very silence around me because of these lockdowns. You know, I can't even hear my own breathing today when I'm sitting in my balcony. <laughs> Nobody in the streets, no cars, no traffic, no no anything, no pollution. And on the other side, we are, of course, fearful and anxious about what is going to happen. For example, for, for me and my wife who are living in a strange land among strange people. I mean, we do not speak their language and we are not supported by our family, everything that is going to happen to either of us could be catastrophic. You know, we feel quite vulnerable today and at the same time are enjoying uh, our new normal. Yep. And these are going to be uh, what is happening to everybody. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, we are among the most privileged uh, class of uh, people in the world. We are uh, already uh, have access to each other and are talking to each other, recording this podcast. But, you know, many, many people are absolutely suffering. I mean, they have lost their jobs and they cannot afford food. For example, if you see the uh, recent uh, numbers in the United States, it's a huge number of unemployment, unprecedented, 30 million people. Yeah, and 30 million people. Yeah, yeah. that is a very gloomy uh, outlook of what is going to happen. You know, that's the entire population of Australia is unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah, it's 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 very very unprecedented and nobody is sure. And and you know those historians uh, when I'm talking to them or, or I'm following them, they say well the, there are 30 million people and there is uh, uh, there is this tension from the pandemic. I mean the rise of China and the obvious uh, result could be that. Part of these 30 million people will join the U.S. military and they will be employed by the U.S. military to occupy or invade the country. I don't know. <sighs> yes, I hope not. Mm-hmm. 
question four, Victor. How do you explain to someone who doesn't know what you do, how do you explain what it is you do? Very interesting question because I have some uh, funny memories. You know, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was invited to, to a recent conference of the Federation in Norway, I mean in Yondal, I was required to obtain a, you know, a visa, okay? And when I visited the Norwegian embassy, uh, the lady, the officer in charge of the application asked me, uh, who are you and what are you doing? I, I told them that I'm in the Federation of uh, Futures Studies. And she was uh, perplexed and she didn't understand at the, in the first what I'm talking about. And she, she interestingly asked me, uh, what kind of sport that is that it has a federation? <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I, I quickly found that uh, she didn't uh, make the connection between a federation and a future. <laughs> and <laughs> I had a very good recommendation from Jennifer Gifty to deal with that situations. He told me, she told me that uh, you need to go, for example, we are working with UNESCO, for example, because UNESCO is much more known uh, key terms for many people. And by UNESCO, I mean United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Uh, we, are, uh, uh, we are, in a sense, trying to help UNESCO and other kinds of United Nations bodies to promote the literacy, of special literacy, which is about uh, better uh, uh, imagining different futures. And that is the future literacy, the competency about having the imagination necessary to uh, challenge our current present in terms of finding uh, the novelties that uh, Real Miller is talking about. Yep. In, other, in other times, uh, in, in other situations, I also had very funny experiences. You know, many people would mistake me with fortune tellers, for example, or yep. sorcerers. When a, a mother that participated in my, one of my workshops approached me and Ask me what is going to happen to uh, my daughter future in terms of a happy marriage or not. <laughs> I, I told her I don't have any idea what is going to happen to your marriage. <laughs> you know, you know, we have this challenge, and we, not only with ordinary people, but only for officers in charge in embassies and other places. But, but I believe that uh, after almost fifty years of uh, lots of good futures studies. Uh, work by giants of the fields, I mean, like Jim Dator, Richard Stalter, Soil and Ayatollah, and Wendell Bell, and people like you, of course, uh, Peter, in Australia. Many people are beginning to understand that we are not fortune tellers, we are not going to determine whether someone is, someone is going to become a happy ma- marriage or not, or we are not, uh, we are not uh, predictor, predictors or everything else. We we are just trying to promote futures literacy in the sense that enable people to become much more creative in dealing with their present in terms of whole range of alternatives that could be offered to them for decision making. And we can link that easily to their quality of life later. I mean, the quality of life is uh, related to the better decisions we are going to make. And when many people are obliged or have to have a, a chosen field or discipline for work, I mean, we cannot expect that all of engineers become a 
future is very soon because after all we need some uh, specialists working on uh, building roads or building houses and etc but we need to find our place in society where we can put together or connect the dots for people to see the whole picture the big picture and uh, consider the very long term it's what is going to happen if the current uh, dynamics in the system is uh, not challenge are going forward and what are the narratives that are going to uh, emerge later and and after all of these we are going to be uh, change enablers whenever you need a good good uh, group of people who are able to provide a basis for change for better you can uh, call group of futures i mean professional futures like the members of the world futures studies federation or APF, Association of Professional Futures, to invite them and help you uh, prepare yourself for a transformation into a better or a new, a new sets of rules for the change. I mean, if you remember well, Real Miller is also talking about the conditions of change. We need to find how to change the conditions of change. And, and for that, we can contribute a lot. Thanks. Thanks, Victor. So, Victor, we've got to the last question, the open question. So what do you want to talk to the listeners about for your last question? Well, thank you again for giving me this opportunity to participate in your podcast series. And I've I've been enjoying all of them. Of course, you are doing a fantastic job with your colleagues in Australia. And I really admire what you're doing. And uh, I would like to invite people to pay a visit to the website of the World Futures Studies Federation, uh, which uh, which is actually an umbrella organization. It tries to have all the uh, active futurists or researchers or people involved in anticipatory process design to join this federation as an umbrella organization. And you can have a good company in that federation. I mean, certainly can. Talking to co- colleagues from all over the planet. And you, you know, in my in my in my book, Alternative Planetary Futures, I have been talking about the binary opposite of the globalization. You know, after the pandemic, we are seeing that globalization is in retreat or even dead. But planetization is not. You know, planetization is exactly the thing that we are doing in World Futures Studies Federation. We are coming together, even though we do not travel to each country, each other countries, but we are collaborating we are exchanges uh, exchanging ideas we are even very recently we used uh, the virtual platforms like zoom for gatherings and there there was uh, seven sessions of wonderful gatherings by the federation members i mean from all age groups from all uh, levels of careers uh, from all countries throughout the world we had uh, very fantastic conversations about what is happening, what is going to happen. I would like to invite all of people to uh, become a, a member of the Federation who, who are feeling that such a company will help them both uh, widen their social network and uh, find a good spot for making a, a good impact 
in their world, I mean, in their uh, immediate surrounding or for the planet-wide uh, issues. Yeah, I would certainly second that. I've been a member for an awfully long time. It's a terrific association and a great bunch of people. Thank you very much. Well, Victor, it's been terrific to spend some time uh, and hear about your incredibly fast journey, but I'm particularly delighted to hear how you are integrating other cultural historical frameworks and bringing them forward to help us all better help people understand where they are and where they'd like to go. So on behalf of the FuturePod community, thanks very much for participating. It's it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much again for everything you have done and I wish you all the best in your uh, continuation of this wonderful series of podcasts. This has been another production from FuturePod. FuturePod is a not-for-profit venture. We exist through the generosity of our supporters. If you would like to support FuturePod, go to the Patreon link on our website. Thank you for listening. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. This is Peter Hayward saying goodbye for now.